now uh, we'll go ahead and turn to our New Testament reading, which is Acts chapter 2. Last week we talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost, and this week we're going to read the remainder of Acts chapter 2. Uh, it's a bit longer, but um, you'll see that there's great stuff here. So let's go ahead and read Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 47. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, <clears throat> why read all that? Well, I really like this section of scripture, and I want to look at this reading, and even though it's a bigger chunk, I think you'll find and we'll find together that it's really worthwhile, especially as we're building on what we've been doing in the book of Acts. So let's look at this and we'll sort of break it off into chunks and we'll talk through it. Verse 14 to 15, Peter starts, he stands with his, the apostles and addresses this crowd. Remember at the end um, of our section last week, some people were, were amazed by the Holy Spirit, but yet some thought the apostles were just simply drunk. <laughs> Peter stands up and says, just so you know, we are not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. No, let me explain what is happening, Peter says. And then he goes on to quote the prophet Joel. This is from this quote you might see at the bottom of your Bible or if you hit the little button on your phone to see where it's from. This is Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 32. And he's saying to all the people around, this was actually a fulfillment of prophecy. That the prophet Joel foretold that this would happen, that the Holy Spirit would come upon believers. And he is telling the audiences surrounding them at Pentecost that we are living in the promises of the Old Testament. And here we see again, again, we're going to, we're going to, by the way, we're going to see this over and over again as we go through Acts, that Jesus is indeed the fulfillment of the Old Testament, as he said in the book of Matthew. The disciples are continually interpreting scripture through the life and teachings of Jesus. And what do we see in this prophecy? Well, it's quite clear, right? The spirit will be poured out on all people, even the servants. And there will be prophecies, there will be visions, there will be dreams. Joel tells us and Peter affirms here that verse 21, that all who call on the name of the Lord will indeed be saved. Men and women and servants alike, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Peter is addressing this crowd, saying to them, this is where we are now. See that what is happening now is not these people are drunk, but they're speaking in tongues, telling of the great things of God to all of these people. Remember, this is a crowd of Jewish people, of believers in God from around the ancient world. People who would know this prophecy, people who would actually be looking forward to its fulfillment. And not only is this a convincing argument, but there's visible proof right here. The disciples are preaching and teaching in all these different tongues. The Spirit has come upon the disciples and they are speaking about the great things of God in all different languages. And now it's visible for everyone to see so that every single person there would be able to do what it says in verse 21, to call out on the name of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but if I were there, like I mentioned last week too, and heard someone speaking my home language and then went and, and saw what was going on and heard this sermon beginning to unfold, it would capture my attention. And that's what it really is, is this is, this is a sermon, right? This is Peter preaching. 
And so Peter continues, verse 22 through 24. He says, listen to me, fellow Israelites. Listen, this man, Jesus, he did all of these things. These things we read about in Joel, these prophecies, these visions, these great miracles. Jesus did all of these things, and now, too, so will we. And to be fair, him referencing Jesus, of course, probably made a lot of sense because many people had probably heard about Jesus. He was this young upstart rabbi. He was this young rabbi who didn't really follow the rules. He was this young rabbi who was making a splash, who was making a stir, who just, you know, two and a half months ago was arrested was beaten, was crucified, and all of his disciples and many people claimed to have seen him risen from the dead. People would have heard about this. And so Peter tells them, this Jesus did all of these things that we're talking about. And then to reinforce the point even more, Peter then goes back to the Old Testament. So first he quotes Joel, and then he quotes the Psalm, Psalm 16, the Psalm we read tonight. Again, reading the psalm through the lens of Jesus being the fulfillment of these promises. And just as a reminder, church, friends, if there's any doubt, there shouldn't be. But if there's ever any doubt, we need to remember that we read this book. We read these scriptures with Jesus in mind. We read through the psalms as him being the ultimate fulfillment. We read through the prophets the prophets and the prophecies of the Old Testament, knowing that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these things, that Jesus is the culmination of God's plan. And, and, and it's very clear, yet again, that the disciples were trained this way, that Jesus trained his disciples to read scripture this way, and so too should we. Because then in verse 29 through 33, He says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you that David died and was buried. David didn't live on, but he was a prophet and God made him promises that his throne would last forever. For those of you who are familiar with the story of David, right? This is one of the promises God makes to him. says that your descendants will be on the throne forever. Now, David died. David didn't last forever. And eventually his line of his descendants was broken. But what he's saying here and what Peter is explaining to the crowd was that this Jesus was actually a fulfillment of this promise. And as we know from scripture that David came from the same line, from the same tribe as David, and is a fulfillment of this promise. And let us remind each other, let us remind ourselves too that this is what people wanted. Remember, people, when they thought of the Messiah in ancient Israel, did not think of Jesus, the meek and mild healer as we know him. People wanted someone who would return to the throne. People wanted someone who would rise up against Rome and bring back the power of Israel. They were waiting for this Messiah. And this was the hope. This was the hope of many, many people. That is why, interestingly, if you go back to the story of Good Friday, when they freed Barabbas instead of Jesus, if you go back to that story, it is because the crowds wanted someone who was against Rome. They wanted someone who was an insurrectionist, a zealot. That's who Barabbas was. Barabbas was outspoken outspokenly zealous against Rome. And they wanted a guy who would actually lead them, who would bring back the throne, 
They didn't want this Jesus, this King of the Jews. Even though Jesus came to bring freedom, even though Jesus is the Messiah, as Peter will claim here in a second, the people didn't see it. And just historically, we know this to be true also because about 30 or 40 years later, in 70 AD, as many of you know, Jerusalem was destroyed because a man claiming to be the Messiah led a rebellion against Rome. A man who claimed to be the Messiah led an insurrection against the Roman occupation, and Rome came in and crushed them and destroyed Jerusalem and knocked the temple down to rubble. And here in our text tonight, Peter is teaching that the promise of God to David was fulfilled in Jesus. And that same God who sent Jesus raised him from the dead and sat him where? Verse 33, at the right hand of God. 34, sorry. Oh, and 33, exalted to the right hand of God. For David did not ascend to heaven, verse 34, but the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. And so we learn that this Jesus was the fulfillment of this prophecy in the Psalms. He was the fulfillment of the promises God made to David. And so you see what Peter is doing here. He's tying in the Old Testament that his audience is very familiar with, that his audience knows, to the story of Jesus and the promises of God. And if you and I were there, if you and I were there as Jewish people who are familiar with the Old Testament, these things would start to make sense. They would start to connect in our head. And so now Peter, I mean, if you think about this, if, if anyone's ever given a presentation or if anyone's ever um, done any public speaking, you sort of know when you have your audience, right? You sort of know when people are listening to you. You sort of know when people are kind of leaning forward and listening to what you're saying, right? It's a little hard for me on Zillow sometimes. Right. Thanks, Walt. I just saw that. I appreciate it. You know, it's sort of hard sometimes on, on on Zoom. I mean, because I'm sitting here looking and it's sort of, OK, are people paying attention? Maybe, maybe not. But Peter at this moment is preaching and he's talking. And, and, and he has them. He's bringing in the Old Testament. People are listening. People are focused. And it's sort of getting to this crescendo. Right. What's the point? What does all this mean? And then he says, verse 36, therefore, everyone, because of all of this stuff, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And Peter publicly proclaims this thing he has known, this thing he has believed, and he has stood up and proclaimed something amazing, especially considering Peter's past. Right? You guys remember Peter's past. What happened the night before or the night of Jesus's betrayal when he turned his back on Jesus? Peter stands up in front of these crowds and says to them, what you need to know is Jesus is the answer to all of these things we've been searching for. He is our savior he is our savior from ourselves. He is our reconciliation to God. He is our father who loves us so dearly. And it sort of echoes what he had said before. If you remember back in Matthew chapter 16, Peter actually tells Jesus he believes Jesus is the Messiah. In Matthew 16, he, he tells Jesus, you're the Messiah. 
And Jesus says, yes. And this is when he tells Peter again, I told, talked about this just a few weeks ago, that Peter is his rock and on him, he will build his church. And that Peter's great. You're getting it, Peter. But Jesus says, yes, you get it. But then in Matthew chapter 16, verse 20, at the end of that section, he tells the disciples, hey, don't tell anyone yet. Well, now is the time. Back then, Jesus did not want them shouting from the rooftops that he was the Messiah, but there's a lot of reasons for that. We could talk about that another time. But Peter stands up knowing that now is the time. Peter stands up knowing that God has called me to this. This is the reason. And now I'm going to say something. And so he says in verse 36, therefore, let all of you be assured. Jesus is Lord and Messiah. Now is the time for the apostles not to keep quiet, but to shout it from the rooftops, as they say. It says, listen, everyone, everyone listen up. Jesus is the guy. The time is now. The spirit has come upon us to you as proof that he was raised from the dead, that he conquered death and is bringing salvation. And what does this do? As I said, the crowd is captivated. What does this do to this crowd, this, this, these Israelites who have been long awaiting the Messiah? Verse 37 tells us that the people, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this should be our same impact in the world. When we know Jesus is the Messiah, when we have the Holy Spirit, our words, our actions, our example, it should lead people to the truth of Jesus in a way that they are cut to the heart. I mean, think back to when this happened to you for the first time. Think back to when you had this feeling most recently. Something hits us, something in scripture, or something someone does, or we see the Holy Spirit manifested either in a supernatural or just an everyday sort of way. When we encounter truth, when we experience the Holy Spirit, like I mentioned last week, we know this stuff to be true. It cuts to our very heart. Sometimes I've explained it this way. It feels almost like there's a hand that reaches into your chest and squeezes your heart because you just feel that these things are true. If someone asked you to explain it, you wouldn't know how to do it. But, but here... This crowd is sitting in front of Peter, hearing this truth that Jesus is the Messiah, and it cuts to their very heart. And they know deep down in their soul that Jesus is Lord. And so they ask the question to Peter, Peter, brothers, apostles, what shall we do? For you and for me, when we are cut to the heart, what do we do? How do we respond? Let me suggest that what Peter says to the people in Jerusalem on this day is what we too should do when we are cut to the heart by the truth of God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter tells the people, hey, you feel this hitting you? You feel the truth of God? You feel like this is real? Then repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you will receive the spirit. That's it. That's the point of all of this. And, and I need to pause here for a second because I need to be really clear about something. If you have never done this, 
If you have never stopped when you felt this feeling, repented, acknowledged it, been turned away from your sin and been baptized, and you've never felt the Holy Spirit or you don't feel that you have the Holy Spirit, let me tell you, the promises offered in Joel where everyone, the Holy Spirit will come on everyone and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's for everyone. If you hear this, that through Jesus, you are reconciled to God, your loving heavenly father, you need to know that is the truth. That scripture calls all of us to repent. And all that means is that we just turn from our wandering ways. We stop doing stupid stuff and we go the other way. We return to God and we admit that we have been running. And when we admit that we have been running from God and we turn to face him again, when we repent, we also make a public proclamation. And when we do it for the first time, scripture calls us to be baptized. And Peter tells these people that when they believe these things, the Holy Spirit will come upon their lives. And I should mention, just as an aside here, that you don't have to be baptized to have the Holy Spirit. Later, and actually Andy preached on it this morning, later in Acts, when Peter and um, is preaching to Cornelius and his family, the Roman soldier, he, he actually, the Holy Spirit comes on him first, and then they're baptized. So let's not think that we need to be baptized to have the Holy Spirit, as some traditions may claim. The Bible kind of goes both ways. But what he's saying here is that when we believe, the Holy Spirit comes. And so if you've never done that before, let me just be really clear about this. This is offered to you. If you've never believed these things before, let me be clear to you. This is offered. The Holy Spirit is a gift offered to you by God given it at your repentance and belief. And if this is cutting to your heart, if this is cutting to your soul right now, do what Peter says, repent, be baptized. And if you have questions about that, let me know. But for those of us who've done these things already, many of us are thinking, okay, Sam, I've done that. I've been a Christian a long time. How does this apply to me? Let me ask you this. Do you still wander away from the Lord? Do you still wander from his truth and his precepts? Have you forgotten the promises God makes us through the prophets and through Christ? See, for those of us who already know this, who have been baptized, who have repented, who have decided to follow Jesus, we still wander. And so we, as believers, must also repent just the same. And I would argue we are called to do this daily, every single one of us, because we all wander from God daily. And so each and every day we are called to follow these instructions, this, this wonderful sort of first sermon from Peter, that we are to turn, repent from the things we have done. And instead of getting the Holy Spirit for the first time or receiving the Holy Spirit for the first time, let us then repent and return to the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit would lead and guide us in the path God has for us, not the path we have for us. We mustn't be baptized again, but what we do is we trust in the work of the Lord in our repentance. And some of you may sitting there be thinking, gosh, Sam, really every day? Can't I just be saved once and just be done with it? Well, let me just say this, that what Peter says next is very helpful for me. Peter continues in verse 40. 
And he says, well, 39 first, the promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off and all whom God will call. And then he says in verse 40, he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. The reason we do this, church, is because we need to save ourselves from the corruption of this world we live in. We need to go to Jesus because let me just tell you, this generation, this world we live in, is not the best place. Sure, there are good things about the world today. Sure, good things are happening. But look at just in general. What people think is okay, what people think is right, the shortcuts people take, the choices people make, the oppression and the hurt and the injustice and the violence we see in this world. Yeah, there's good things in the world, but there is a lot in this world that is very discouraging, isn't there? And so Peter, way back when, is telling these people, and I think the same thing applies to us. Will you choose, church, brothers and sisters, will you choose to trust in this world or Jesus? See, this sermon Peter makes is not complicated, but it's something we must choose each and every day. Because without our trusting in Jesus, and many of you know this, we will wander away from him each and every day. Listen, I can be honest with you. I am a pastor. I am supposed to have it all together. But I find myself repenting of things every single day before my God and turning and trying to follow him and seeking his face more and more. Because I don't want to trust in this generation. I don't want to trust in this world. I have trusted in this world before. And let me tell you, this world has let me down. How about you? What do you think? Because on this day, scripture tells us in verse 41, that 3,000 people were cut to the heart and decided to trust in Jesus rather than the world around them. And an outpouring of this was that they started caring for each other and they started loving each other and they made sure everyone's needs were met and they were doing amazing things that the world was not doing. The world was being greedy and people were sharing. And it says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I ask you tonight, hear Peter's sermon as if it were for the first time and hear Peter's sermon each and every day that we need to turn from our wandering and trust in this Jesus, this Messiah, not this generation, not this world. Church, we can save ourselves from this world by turning to Jesus. And we know this is the way to go. For those of you who are Christians who have been Christians a long time, we know maybe... Maybe now we know this even more than ever, that we want deep, rich, meaningful community. We want to be saved from the superficial, from the shallow, from transactional relationships. We don't want greed and power to control our lives, but we want love and selfishness, selflessness, excuse me. We want love and selflessness to be the ways we live our lives. Church, the Lord can. And the Lord has saved us. Remember the prophet of Joel. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I say to you each and every day, repent. Turn away from your wandering. If you never have been, repent for the first time and be baptized 
in the name of Jesus Christ, receive the Holy Spirit. For those of you who have been Christians a long time, I encourage you to turn from your wandering and return to the Holy Spirit. And hear this sermon each and every day. Be reminded that you are offered freedom from the junk of this world. Jesus has made you free. And so while we do not need to be baptized again, Jesus did give us something that we can do to remember, didn't he? Jesus gave us communion. That we would remember together. That we would remember the sacrifice he made for us. That we would remember this proclamation of him being Messiah. And so we remember this in the communion table. We remember our repentance. We remember our baptism. We remember the promises of God. And so I want to encourage you now. Grab whatever you've prepared for communion. So that we can come to this table together. That we can remember these things together. That we can remember our repentance and our baptism together. And and, and church, again, let me remind you, if you are trusting in the name of the Lord, communion is for all of us. And if you have never taken communion, if you are not trusting in the name of the Lord, if this is cutting to your heart now, Jesus says, believe in him and remember this sacrifice. And so, I say to you, church, the words Jesus said. Our Lord said, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Take the bread, which represents the body of Christ. Church, when we break the bread, is it not a sharing of the body of Christ? And as you take and consider the cup poured out for you, when we give thanks over this cup, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? And so let us together, first the body and then the cup, let us remember our Lord's sacrifice for us. Take and eat. And let us also take the cup and remembering our Lord's blood shed for us that we would be forgiven. Let us take and drink together.